we got suspensions, we got waiver claims, we got superstars going off, and we also have a very battered and bruised Colorado Avalanche in episode 346 of the Lace Em Up podcast, which starts right now. It's time to lace them up. Here's Brett and Steve. And welcome to a jam-packed show, ladies and gentlemen. I'm Steve Ellsworth. I'm Brett Duboff. And uh, Brett, uh, we are going to start with uh, Tage Thompson going off against the Columbus Blue Jackets. Yeah, it's, um, I mean, we've, I feel like we talked about Tage Thompson's big night because he had another big night early on in the season. But yeah, he's, mm-hmm. he, uh, he's been like, if you, th- he had like a four goal night um, a couple weeks ago. Um, I don't, f- I forget if we actually talked about him or not, but I think it's the second six point night of the year for him as well, okay. which is kind of crazy. I might have to look here. But yeah, he had a five goal night uh, against the Blue Jackets. Um, it looks like Cor- he also had an assist that night as well. Um, I guess I can look at his game logs and see what happened there. Uh, yeah, the uh, three one. goals, three assists against Detroit oh, October right. 31st. So yeah, that yeah. was his first six-point game. Right, right. Uh, and what's interesting about Tage Thompson, though, is four of those five goals were in the same period. Yeah, it was crazy. Um, and, it, yeah, the game went, ended like 9-4 to four or something like that. I forget how many... <laughs> Uh, points uh, how many goals the Blue Jackets had but yeah that puts him um up at four he's fourth overall in the points race now uh behind McDavid, Dreisaitl, and J-Rob um and yes Tage Thompson it's funny because we talked about J-Rob last week and it's like if you were to give me like any guesses on like who would be the top American point getter I would have said like, oh, it's probably Austin Matthews or Jack Eichel or or someone like that. But it's now it's Jason, Jason Robb and Tage Thompson. You can add Tage Thompson to this list of like guys who are doing better, American guys who are doing better than Austin Matthews. So um, it's cool um, that he's he's doing incredible. I I I'm going to freely admit like I know I was skeptical of his contract um, in the off season. Um, I am no longer skeptical of his contract. I mean, I guess there is a potential that this is just like a one-off or something like that, but he was good last year too. Um, also what's kind of interesting is, is that, uh, for years or, you know, when, when this trade happened, uh, Ryan O'Reilly was traded from Buffalo to St. Louis for Tage Thompson. And I think there was a couple of other guys involved as well. Um, and at the time, it was looked to be a very terrible trade because Ryan O'Reilly ended up being the captain for that Stanley Cup team. Um, and, of course, the Blues would have still won that trade just simply because of that Stanley Cup. But when you look at, like, the St. Louis Blues right now, it's like they could use a Tage Thompson right right about now. So it's yeah. like um, – so, like, we now have to like rewrite history in a way where it's like it was looked at like a fleecing or one of the most modern day fleecings of that trade but now it's like oh tate Thompson, he's he's really good and the the sabers are like you know we should thank uh, jason botterill for for that type of move and foresight but um but yeah obviously it was it, it worked out for the blues as well but um 
anyways, um, it's cool that Tage Thompson, like, you never see five goal games anymore, and it's just cool that that happened. And poor Columbus, it's like, their season's already pretty bad, and uh, yeah, they just, uh, this is not a great season to remember if you're Columbus. Yeah, I, I will uh, give a um, little bit of a, uh, what do you call those, um, disclaimers. That's what they're called, disclaimers. Uh, I am in a live newsroom today, so if you hear background noise, that means newscasts are being recorded, and that means it's a live newsroom. So if you hear any background noise, folks, I'm sorry, but that's just what you get. Wait, um, wait hold on. Also- Does that mean that anyone can overhear what we're talking about? Or uh, potentially, I don't think they're going to understand any of it, but that's well, it's wait, fine. It's fine. We're in like a radio show uh, in Canada. I'm sure people would oh, understand. Oh, you mean on live on radio? Absolutely not. <laughs> well, no, yes. Ain't, ain't no radio station listening to us. But I, but I mean like someone could hear what, like your side of the conversation. Yeah. Okay. In the newsroom, anyone who's in the newsroom can hear it, but that's about it. Yeah. Okay, I see, I see. All right. Anyway. Yeah. Uh, a little bit of a quiz question, by the way, Brett. Um, there oh. are two teams who have scored 100 goals, at least 100 goals, rather, and have also given up at least 100 goals. Can you name those two? Sorry, two teams? In the league this year, there are two teams in the league this year with 100-plus goals scored and 100-plus goals surrendered. Okay, well, I assume because in this context, you're going to say Columbus is one of them. Incorrect. Okay, never mind. Um, Interesting. 100 goals scored Uh, and 100 goals against. So then you're going to say Buffalo and then Buffalo's one. And then uh, let's see here. Um, My third guess will be... um, Los Angeles, maybe? Ding, ding, ding. Wow. Buffalo has 108 goals for 103 goals against with a record of 12, 14, and 2 in 28 games. The Kings have scored 100 goals and given up 106. So they actually have a negative goal yeah. differential, but they're 15, 11, and 4 because they're in the Pacific Division. Right, right, right. Fun times. Yeah, that that's cool. I was going yeah. to guess Seattle too, but um, but yeah, I guess no, uh, no. Martin Jones hasn't been that leak either. Sure, I mean he could. Although be, they they know. are they are starting to fade a little bit. Right, I've right. noticed they're on a bit of a losing streak. So. Yeah, yeah. Anyways, uh, back to Tate Thompson. <laughs> back to Tate Thompson. Um, oh, do you have more thoughts on Tage Thompson or? or oh, yeah? uh, Tage Thompson is very good. I said I could understand the risk of this contract. But I also thought it was legit based on the fact that him and Jeff Skinner developed great chemistry. And shocker, Jeff Skinner hasn't regressed either, which is even better news for the Sabres. He's not Tage Thompson level good, but at least he's performing. He's scoring goals. He's getting points, which is what you're paying a guy $9.5 million a year to do. He's not getting healthy scratched anymore, which is always a good sign. Um, And I think in due time, uh, the rest of the Sabres are, are going to be uh, putting up points, uh, not at the rate of Tage Thompson, but once you get Peyton Krebs and Jack Quinn on board and yeah. J.J. Paterka as well, you're really going to start to see this team shine. Uh, they still need to fix their defense, obviously, but the fact that you even have a top five scorer and it's not Jack Eichel and it's a year after Jack Eichel just left you high and dry pretty much, yeah. although they kind of 
also helped him leave. Um, even still, uh, the Buffalo Sabres a year ago were probably searching for an identity, not sure what they would become within the next couple of years. And the emergence of Tage Thompson has changed everything. Yeah, yeah, for sure. Also, uh, Dylan Cousins has been quietly pretty good too. Yeah, yeah Rasmus Dahlin as well. Yeah. Dahlin is also having a breakout year as well. That's a good point too. Um, yeah, and, and we'll see what Owen Power um, is made of. It's it's kind of a little bit too early to start judging him, but um, that's you know it's cool that he's getting some experience. I think I feel like defensemen uh, like Aaron Ekblad took a while to to get going. Same with Victor Hedman. So um, so it might it might take a while for like top uh, top rate defensemen to get going, uh, but. Uh, but yeah, Owen Power might be someone to like watch out for eventually. Um, but yeah, it's it's interesting too when you're like we are talking up the Buffalo Sabers here, and now they're still like seventh in their division. So it's like it's very possible that they could end up getting Connor Bedard or um, Adam Fantilli. Um, <laughs> that would that would just be really funny. Um, but, um, I don't know if that will necessarily happen because I, I feel like, um, yeah, I, I think as you alluded to, I think they need to fix their defense and their goaltending situation, but, um, but yeah, we'll see. Um, anyways, um, the other news, speaking of first overall picks and teams that have good luck, draft luck, uh, Jack Hughes, um, in, uh, uh, I guess this is just notable because it's it's notable, but uh, in a game against the Islanders, um, where the Devils had actually lost, but uh, Jack Hughes finished the game with a six-minute shift, and that's the longest recorded shift in NHL history. Um, that's kind of pretty cool, um, and particularly because like when you think of Jack Hughes, you don't really think of him as a defensive type player. You kind of leave that more towards like Nico Heischer on the Devils, but it's, um, but yeah, it's cool that he, he had a six minute shift. That's usually like the amount of time for like a defenseman's shift time, or it's, or it's, it's pretty, it's pretty long for a defenseman as well. But, um, but yeah, he was on the ice for the last six minutes, um, in two seconds, I, I guess I should say, and that's the longest shift, but yeah, it's kind of, uh, it's kind of crazy, but uh, yeah, I mean, the, 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 whether, whether you're up by one, down by one, tied, yeah. uh, to have that kind of confidence, for the coach to have that kind of confidence, to play you for that kind of uh, length of time is absolutely staggering. Yeah. Uh, what's also interesting is I didn't really take into account or look into whether or not there are any commercial breaks in between. But even oh, yeah. still, being on the ice for that amount of time, even with a commercial break, is a lot, even just from a mental standpoint. Uh, and I should also mention, and it's not Jack Hughes level fantastic, but it should be noted, um, the Capitals were on a five-minute power play this week, and Alex Ovechkin played all but three seconds of it, which is also pretty nuts, considering that guy is in his mid-30s. Yeah, yeah, it's... Um... Yeah, I mean, I, I guess you're right. It, it doesn't really matter what the status of the game is, but, like, yeah, it just it shows a lot of confidence in your guy. I mean, that's kind of what you want out of a first overall pick, so there, there's that as well. Um, I guess, uh, all right, uh, we'll talk about uh, Jeff Skinner made the news. He uh, he cross-checked, um, 
I, I only have like I, I saw the clip um, but uh, I didn't see um, I know that it was uh, like a cross check in the like behind the crease basically but um, you, you you can provide more details but he did end up getting suspended for three games yeah. um, who was it to um, it, it was uh, Jake Gensel okay uh, the the guy who yelled "shut up" to Travis Konechny in that right. outdoor game. That guy, I I think I, I did I did see that like Jay Zucker gave uh, a, like a indifferent reaction to Jeff Skinner when he did something or like Jeff Skinner was retaliating and Zucker gave him like some type of like reaction to it at the end. Um, so I did see that, but um, but yeah, that's right. It was uh, it was on uh, it was on uh, uh, Gensel. Um, yeah, so he gets yeah, three games. Uh, so, so the first whack, it was a post-whistle skirmish, yeah. and they were along the boards towards the bench area. And Jake Gensel gives a little whack to Jeff Skinner. Didn't obviously appreciate that. So he gave a little whack back. Uh, and then he cross-checked him in the head. Yeah. So that's probably what did it, that action there. And uh, he was uh, tossed from the game. Uh, obviously, uh, Gensel didn't like it, um, and now Jeff Skinner gets to sit on the bench for his troubles for uh, the next 108, 180 minutes plus um, because he's ineligible to play for the next three games. And obviously, losing a top six score that sucks for Buffalo. But um, yeah, there, there there have been times I've, I've noticed on on YouTube clips uh, that uh, Jeff Skinner can be a fiery competitor sometimes, and if you push him. He's not afraid to push back, and uh, on that play, uh, he's not afraid to cross-check either. Yeah, yeah. Um, and then similarly, Jamie Olesiak, um also gets suspended three games for a similar type play. It was also a cross-check. Um, yeah, you have you can provide the details too. I I forget who it was on and, and all that stuff. It but. was, uh, I think, Martin Furveri of the okay. Capitals, a young defenseman there, and um, I I think it was um, it, it was along the lines of like contact with the head. I remember Pierre Laviolette, the coach of the Capitals, being pretty incensed after the play, and similar to Jeff Skinner for his troubles, uh, Jamie Alexiak was shown the door to the dressing room, uh, and then he got uh, the three-game suspension uh, on top of that. Um, or no, it was Alex Alexiev that it was against, not for a very was Alexiev. Uh, but either way, uh, didn't look pretty and uh, definitely a suspendable play. Yeah, yeah. Um, and lastly, this actually just happened today as we're recording. I'm sure we'll find out uh, what's going on tomorrow. But uh, Ely Tolovanin gets placed on waivers. Um, I like he had a pretty high draft pedigree. Um, or like he he really like I get actually no he was uh if for those who don't know uh he was drafted in uh 2017 to the Nashville Predators um this was mostly his his drag stop uh, stock drop because he was committed to go to BC but then he decided to go to the KHL um instead like 3 days before um before it happened um and then when he went to the khl he was like one of the best players in the khl um and um and yeah so that so he kind of like after like that khl system season he you know everyone thought like oh this guy might actually be pretty good um eventually Mm -hmm. um in the nhl 
Uh, he hasn't really lived up to that just yet. Uh, this season, um, I thought there was potential for some like bounce back effect of it, but he has four points in 13 games. However, it is notable that he has 12 minutes of ice time. I'm because of like like he was incredible in the KHL, even if it was like a few years ago. I'm gonna assume some team is going to take a chance on him. Um, like you know, like because I'm looking at the waiver order here, it goes by the last place in the uh, in the league to the first place in the league. Um, so like Anaheim, Chicago, San Jose, Columbus, Arizona, Philadelphia, Ottawa, St. Louis, Buffalo, like. I, I could see him being on any of those teams, especially Anaheim or Chicago um, or San Jose. Like, they would welcome that type of player on their team. So I, I imagine I would – this like, usually this happens all the time whenever you hear, like, a player gets put on waivers and then, you know, everyone in the hockey community circles are like, oh, he's, he's going to be claimed and that guy never gets claimed. This is actually legitimately, if someone doesn't claim him, there's something wrong with this league. <laughs> I, I feel like I feel like a team is going to claim him. I'm not sure which team will it be, but um, but I'd imagine, like, I wouldn't be shocked if Anaheim or Chicago, who are the first two teams um, in this waiver order list, will, will claim him. Um, I, I feel like they could, like, fit him in and, um, and get him in, um, get him going, but... Um, and it would kind of like fit their kind of mold of like you know just a young guy who could fit their core, um, yeah. And I could I could see him being there. I am kind of wondering though, like why N Nashville decided to like put him in waivers um, to begin with. I mean, I know he was wasn't performing well, and maybe they're hoping that he can be claimed off waivers. But you would think that maybe someone a team would be willing to trade for him. Um, in some way, um, but uh, but yeah, I guess they're just gonna put him on waivers and hope he can they can send him down to uh, I think it's Milwaukee is the AHL affiliate. Um, mm -hmm. So um, maybe maybe that's their thinking, but it's like it's kind of a strange move um, from that perspective because they could at least get something. Yeah, it could be a situation where they're just looking for depth scoring and maybe yeah. they try to make a trade and teams weren't willing to trade for him and they were probably just hoping they give up, put him on waivers, and then they're going to yoink him. Um, I don't know if he would be, in terms of getting his confidence back, if he'd be the right fit for a team like Arizona. Arizona can definitely use him, but... I think for Ely Tolvanen, the most ideal scenario would be to go to a team, like you said, um, like Anaheim, uh, like Boston, like well, any team that could like solidify into the core where there's not too much pressure. They can just ease him along. They can well, mentor him properly, maybe get his confidence up a little bit. Because um, cause there, I think he has plenty to give in the NHL level. He just, for whatever reason, hasn't displayed that level of talent. And if if he if he goes, uh, you know, through the waiver wire a couple more times, uh, he could be the next Timo Polkan and a yeah. great what if story oh, in yeah, NHL lore. So you brought back memories of that name. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> I remember. I remember when Detroit took it. Just like, watch out for this kid. Just yeah, yeah. wait till and he then, goes off. And I forgot about the guy. I forgot about that guy. Um, 
I think yeah. that predates our podcast because I think he was like, <laughs> that was like in 2013, maybe. Um, yeah, I think he was, uh, I think he landed up in Vegas somehow and didn't yeah, last long there. Oh, so it wasn't, no, I thought it, he was definitely in Detroit. Um, I thought, I thought it was before Vegas, but you might be right. Um, but um, I he thought, landed on a bunch of teams, so yeah, yeah. <laughs> could be wrong with that. When you when you say that you don't think he'll fit in with Arizona, I I feel like that's like would be also a perfect situation for him. Like he just needs a team that's has no pressure on him that can give him ice time. Um, True. Yeah. And, you know, like similar. In, in that with, sense, yeah. in that sense, it could work. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. Uh, like same way as Anaheim and Chicago, or San Jose. Um, even Columbus, like they're not, you know, I, I think all those, yeah. all those teams are not going to like, have kind of like, like secretly have given up on the season already. So it's like, they can just take a chance on this person and give them a lot of ice time. Um, the only team that I will say that he shouldn't go to when I'm looking here, I'm like, oh God, I hope he doesn't go there. Um, it's Philadelphia. Uh, just because of torts. I don't think he's a torts <laughs> type player. But um, yeah. But everyone else, I, I could see like, oh, okay, maybe maybe that that team could could turn him over. But yeah, he's not a he's not a torts type player. Um, so ta- taking a look at uh, his cap, by the way, which is one point four five million. Um, there, um, I, th- I think you rhymed off the list of teams that could afford him, but uh, yeah. Calgary would just have enough. Uh, there's also the Kings who have 1.9 million. There's Seattle; they have a couple million to play with. The Rangers would be pretty interesting. Yep. Um, Minnesota as well. I, I could see Minnesota potentially. Yeah. Uh, the Islanders as well. All of them could be good fits. And hey, while we're at it, the Detroit Red Wings. Like yeah. they have six million in cap space, they can easily afford him. Any well, any could fit right into their lineup. Uh, potentially, he could be a full time regular, depending on what they do with Bertuzzi and Larkin as well. Yeah, I mean, I will say that because he of his cap hit at one point four, it's like that's also pretty cheap too. Mm-hmm. Uh, so like a lot of teams, like that makes it easier for him to be claimed. Like you could like when Cal Peterson was put on waivers, yeah. it's that like it's five million different yeah, yeah. story and for three years. And then for, for Tolvin in, you're like, okay, like it's just like, um, low risk, low high reward type of thing. So yeah, mm-hmm. I assume like a lot of teams that it, it could work for, um, yeah, it's like, it's hard to really even take cap into consideration just because you're like oh okay um so yeah um all right um uh, now we get to the main topic here um and this actually like well we should i, I feel like it's funny because the last week we were talking about the uh the dallas stars and they were playing in the middle of that game um and um and now we're going to be talking about the Colorado Avalanche, and they actually just won. Uh, they beat the St. Louis Blues uh, due to a Miko Rantanen hat trick. So, so that that's cool. Um, They'll still find a way to blame Nazem Kadri over in St. Louis. Just to watch. I'm sure. I'm sure. <laughs> um, but uh, but mostly the the main reason why we mention them a lot, or we're going to focus in on them, is they're currently they're 14, 10, and two. Um, which I, I got. I have to like 
update the stats, I feel like. Uh, yeah, so they're 14-10-2. That, that, that puts them at tied for the third in the central, um, which isn't too bad. However, um, considering this is Colorado Avalanche, they, they won the Stanley Cup last year. Um, you would expect them to be in the lead in the central. Also, the reason why we're talking about this is that Nathan McKinnon uh, was uh, announced that he is going to be out due to an upper body injury, and he's expected to be sidelined for four weeks, essentially a month. Um, and then you also have um, Bowen Byram's out. We, I, I think we mentioned Landeskog. He's, he hasn't played yet. Um, it looks like he might be back um, in, like, um, in March, potentially, or sometime in the springtime. Um, and then you had uh, Darren Helms also on IR, Bowen Byram's on IR, Josh Manson's on IR, uh, Evan Rodriguez and Curtis McDermott are also on IR. Um, this all, uh, there was, uh, Nichushkin was day-to-day, also Lekkanen was day-to-day, uh, but they both returned this week. Uh, so, so you have that going on. Um, of course, this team still has Makar and Rantanen and Nichushkin, as well as Lekkanen, who's been uh, pretty underrated, actually, lately. Um, mm-hmm. Also, like, we can see how good um, Alex Newhook has been. But, like, and, you know, this happened last year, too, um, where there was a lot of injuries that the Avalanche had to deal with over the season. But they man- they were able to manage just because Nazem Kadri was able to go off they don't have Darcy Kemper as well, um, so they don't have those two guys to bail them out anymore. Um, and yeah, despite the fact that they just won, they're still in a playoff picture. Um, and like, yeah, like really, they just have McKinnon and Landeskog to worry about. But should the Abs? Should we be concerned about the Abs at this point, or like because I? kind of like remember back to like back when the golden knights made that jack eichel trade you were just thinking like okay yes they're injured and mark stone was injured at the time but you're thinking like okay but they're all going to be healthy at one point and then they were never healthy at one point and that ended up ruining their season um i know it's like you know as i mentioned like kale mccarr's like the modern day version of bobby orr um, and Miko Rantanen, uh, Nichushkin, and um, is is pretty underrated, and uh, so is Lekkanen, um, who stepped up as well uh, during this time. But um, I don't know. It's still like, like are they are the Avs going to be like the Golden Knights of last year, or are they like the Tampa Bay Lightning, who also similarly? have usually been pretty banged up, but they managed to make the playoffs. And once they make the playoffs, they're, they're golden. Um, so so which which area do we think that the Avs are going to go? Well, just taking a look at um, the standings and their game-by-game track records, um, their fourth game of the regular season was an overtime defeat against Winnipeg, and then they lost by a goal to Seattle. And then they beat Vegas and the Rangers by a goal and then lost to New Jersey and the Islanders by a goal. So their final six games of October were one goal affairs. And at that point, anything can happen, really. 
then they go out uh, to Finland and absolutely shell Columbus twice. Right. Um, but then you start to get back into the one goal games around mid-November. St. Louis uh, prevails. Uh, then Colorado beats Carolina in one. Uh, Dallas, Vancouver. Uh, both of those were one goal games on the 21st and the 23rd. Uh, Colorado uh, lost to Vancouver, but uh, they prevailed in a shootout against Dallas. And then you even look at uh, today, again, against St. Louis. Overtime decision, they win that one. They lose to the Rangers uh, in a shoot, or uh, Yeah, they lost the Rangers in a shootout a few nights before this. Um, so they've been, for the most part, in every single game that they've played it's just the fact that they can't find that extra goal largely because they're so banged up if you have that roster of mckinnon and landis cog and you also had nichushkin missing time for a bit and now he's back Terry lekinen missing time for a bit now he's back um uh, believe he had a concussion that he was dealing with evan rodriguez um, too yeah evan rodriguez as well so you got a lot of depth players even that are missing time due to injuries. And um, at the end of the day, all of that adds up. Alex Newhook is also struggled. Uh, Pavel Francis has also struggled uh, this season. Uh, Alex Georgiev is posting pretty darn good numbers, but uh, his record isn't as superhuman as it was a couple of weeks ago. Um, so they're getting a little bit of hard luck at times. Uh, they played Boston uh, twice in December and uh, to Brett's delight, Boston only gave up a goal and scored nine against the Avs. So right. um, bad if you're an Avs fan, good if you're a Bruins fan like Brett. But you have got you have games like Philly and Buffalo coming up. Those are huge for Colorado. They need to win those. You got two games against Nashville coming up, uh, Arizona, LA, um, Toronto to close out uh, the month of December. And then you're you still got favorable schedules, porous defenses in Vancouver and Chicago in January. You also have Florida, which you don't know what team you're going to get. Same with Edmonton. You have a couple of games against Ottawa down the line, uh, more games against the Canucks and the Ducks. Those division rival games against St. Louis are probably going to be huge as well. Uh, they have the Florida road trip in February. So they are going to get a mixed bag of opponents that are both good, average, and bad. Um, but once you get to January and February, you're going to start to see the likes of Nathan McKinnon come back. Maybe you get um, Bowen Byron back in the mix as well. So I, I, they're, they're too good of a team to miss the playoffs, in my opinion. And I know a lot of people probably yeah. said that about Vegas, too. Um, but I also think it's it's a good opportunity for Miko Rantanen to really showcase his true powers. And not yep. that he hasn't before, but you got all these key guys injured. And you look at what happened to Nazem Kadri last year. He just kept on rolling, kept playing hockey, kept piling on the points, and the Avs kept winning. And this is Miko Rantanen's chance to do the same. Yeah, yeah. I mean, that kind of leads into our next question of, like, who needs to step up. And, yeah, I agree with you, Miko Rantanen. Uh, we can finally see, like, oh, what can Miko Rantanen do without Landis Gog and McKinnon? Because I feel like of the trio, like, we, like I, I guess the same can apply to, like, my Bruins with the Pasternak, Marshawn, and Bergeron. But, um, but, like, for the Avalanche, when you think of them, you think of McKinnon because he's, 
he's really good. You think of Kale McCarr, because he's really good too. Um, Landis Scott, he's the captain. He's also, like, has that physicality element to it. Mika Rantanen, like, doesn't really score a ton of goals, except for today, where he gets a hat-trick. But, uh, but you don't, like... Yeah, all three goals, see what yeah. I mean? Yeah, yeah, exactly. But, like, you don't, like... But ultimately, he's, like, more of, like, an assist guy. And mm-hmm. usually assist guy don't get a ton of, like, ton of, like, shine um, in the public, especially when you're on the team with McKinnon and McCarr. So, yeah. Um, so, yeah, I, I think it's, like, we can... I, I agree with you. I think we can see what Rantanen uh, can do without McKinnon and Landeskog. And so far, it's working out. What I find interesting, though, is um, I, I guess I forgot to mention this, but I was looking at their lines on Daily Faceoff, and today they have Rantanen as the first line center. Nichush, uh, he's uh, centering Nichushkin and Lekanen. On the second line, you have JT Comfer as the center. He's centering Logan O'Connor and Andrew Cogliano. Um, then you have Ben Myers, who uh, was that uh, college free agent. Um, I think he was on Minnesota State. Uh, maybe it was Minnesota. Um, but uh, he was very good. Um, and then he signed after the college season. But yeah, he's their third line center. He's centering uh, John Luke Foodie and Charles Houdon. Um, and then you have the fourth line with Alex Newhook um, centering uh, Jacob McDonald and Dryden Hunt. Um, and it's just interesting because Rantanen, one, Rantanen isn't really a center, but they have him on center just because you don't have McKinnon, you don't have Evan Rodriguez. Uh, so it's just interesting from that standpoint. Then, um, I like even without um, these injuries, I had, th- I had thought that like this could be the time when Alex Newhook would take hold and we could see what he's really worth because it's like, there's one thing, you know that you're going to lose Nazem Kadri, but you can kind of, like, glean from the fact that, like, oh, well, you have Alex Newhook, who's going to be pretty good. He was, um, he's, been, he like, you know, he's never gotten a ton of ice time, but even in the limited amount of ice time, he's still been pretty, pretty good. Uh, so it's just interesting that they gave him a fourth-line role, even with all these injuries, especially to Rodriguez being out and McKinnon being out. So I'm going to be kind of curious to see how uh, Jared Bednar uh, deals with Alex Newhook because I'm like, wait, it's like, why is Newhook on the fourth line? To be fair, he did assist on one of Rantanen's goals today. So maybe it's like, maybe they changed things up. I wasn't watching. So, so maybe there is something to that. Um, but I feel like he's someone who needs to step up. Um, and also, uh, I think there's, uh, like Pavel Francos and Alexander Georgiev also need to step up too. Um, they haven't been that great, um, lately. Um, I mean, at least compared to, uh, to, uh, Darcy Kemper in Washington, but, yeah, Gorgiev has, uh, so far, Gorgiev has, an, he's 11-5-2 with a 9-20 save percentage. Of course, that's really good. But in the month of December, um, so I, I don't think uh, this uh, it, it includes um, this this most recent game, but uh, Gorgiev is 1-2-1 one, one with a 3.21 GAA and a save percentage of 8 
Um, and <laughs> Francos has only played in one game. Is it Francos or I think it's Francos, right? Francis. Francis. Um, he's only played in one game. Um, now, again, I don't know who was playing uh, today. I can look a little bit later. But uh, his save percentage was he, um, in that one game, he gave up five goals. Um, and he has an 875 save percentage. Of course, that's only like one game. So it's like a small sample size. But yeah, they, they've been slumping a lot in these um, in December. Oh, Francis was playing tonight, uh, today. Um, so, so maybe, uh, uh, he'll, um, have better luck. Um, I don't know what that sound was. Was that on your end? Um, and, uh, so yeah, I, I feel like the goaltending needs to step up, um, and, uh, new hook needs to step up. Um, and yeah, of course, like, you know, I, I think Makar now more than ever needs to step up. I mean, he's always good. You can always rely on him to score some points in a game. Uh, he's that good. But, um, but yeah, I think I think now that McKinnon and Landeskog are gone for for relatively long term, um, Makar needs to really like this is Makar's team basically, um, and and yeah, he needs to show why he's the best defenseman um, in the league, and he, he already is. He does. He has nothing else to prove really, but. Uh, but that is something that uh, he also needs to step up to. Uh, did I miss anyone? I know I talked a lot and mentioned a lot of guys, but um, is there anyone else on your list there, of guys? Who there are three more that I want to talk about, okay. and all of them play defense, and none of them are Kale McCarr. And okay. I, while I do think the pressure is greater for Kale McCarr to deliver, um, we talk about Kale McCarr all the time. We talk about Bull and Byram and the great defender that we think he can be someday. But Eric Johnson, Sam Gerrard, and Devon Taves, all of those guys need to elevate their game to an extent. Not that they've been bad, but I think they need to elevate their game to levels that we haven't seen yet. And that is mainly because if Kale McCarr is going to be the difference maker, the other guys have got to pick up the slack as well because if if – everyone's realizes okay kale mccarr is going to be driving the play now if we just solve kale mccarr then we solve their defense essentially but you need everyone else driving the boat as well and part of uh, the reasoning uh that when i say that is the only other team in the nhl with a power play above 30 percent heading into sunday's action was the edmonton oilers at 30.7 colorado was 30 on the nose however similar to edmonton their penalty kill was far below 80 percent in colorado's case 76.1 percent what i also noticed is that colorado averages 32.8 shots per game heading into today's game they also allow 33.2 per game, which I find to be a bit uncharacteristic for them. And when I take a look at that, I also want to think about, okay, well, power play has been a huge part of Colorado's success and in particular power play time on the ice. So how much of the, the time spent on the power play, how much of that adds up to the amount of uh, penalty killing time that uh, they've also had. And in terms of uh, penalty killing time uh, at the moment, uh, the Colorado Avalanche, the good news is that um, they are 25th out of 32 teams, which is good in shorthanded time on ice. The bad news is when they are shorthanded, for whatever reason, uh, teams are able to solve them. So that needs to stop preferably now. 
Uh, and uh, in terms of power play chances, in terms of uh, power play time on ice, Colorado is usually at the tippity top of uh, the NHL's pedigree in that department. They're only 19th, which is, uh, which is something to consider. So they're definitely taking advantage of the chances that they get. But you look at the amount of power play time uh, that they've had in the past couple of years, you always see a lot of their forwards on the top of the food chain in terms of individual skaters when it comes to power play time skated in a season. And as a team, you look at the amount of power play time that they've generated, and they're usually top of the league, top three in the league, top five in the league, at worst, top ten. And the fact that they're middle of the pack now is a little bit concerning there, and I think part of it is because of the injuries at play, the injuries that they've had to deal with. Um, So I think... As those guys start to step up, those numbers are going to trend in the right direction. And then once you get those guys back in the mix, guys that have missed extended time due to injury, then this team is really going to take off and be the powerhouse that we all expected. And I'm also curious to see how much of this is the Stanley Cup hangover because they had such a long journey the year before. Maybe fatigue is starting to set in for most of these guys, too. Yeah, there is a potential for that, I guess, but I don't know. Um, yeah, I, I think we're both on the, like, we're not concerned about this team just yet. Um, however, so I guess I have like, this is like a twofold question and I'm not really sure of the answer myself. So I'm going to have you go first on this, but when, so question one is when should we start getting concerned about this team? And then secondly, let's say they are bad and this does go bad. What moves should they make? Uh, So let's start with the moves that they can make. And it's going to be a bit difficult because they currently have a projected cap space of 125,000, which is definitely not a lot. Uh, They also don't have a second, a third, and a fourth round pick to trade away if they want to add to their playoff roster uh, because they already traded away those pieces for previous playoff runs right. uh, in 2024. They don't have a second, a third or a fifth because again, they traded away those picks for playoff runs. The good news is they do have a first in each of the next three drafts. However, given the fact that this draft is loaded with talent, I don't think they want to trade away this year's first. If you have to trade next year's first, I guess, Um, But I do expect them to make some sort of moves in between, regardless of how well they're doing. Uh, But depending on how well or how not well they're doing, it could definitely affect who exactly they target. Um, Maybe they they target Jonathan Taze instead of Patrick Kane because they need help at center, even though I think Patrick Kane would be a much better, valuable addition. Or there are other pieces at play it could be a bow or that type of situation who really knows um january 2023 if they don't do damage in that month then i'm a bit concerned because like i said you have two games against vancouver very porous defense uh you have a game against the edmonton oilers which again you have to deal with their firepower but you also look at edmonton's defense in all situations it hasn't been nearly up to snuff they've given up 97 goals again so if they gave up three more goals in that stat i mentioned at the top of the show they would be on it if not for those less than three goals against um they also have chicago on january 
the 12th uh, there. You have Detroit, which at that point, I'm not really sure what to think of them. Uh, you also have Calgary on January 18th. And the reason I say Calgary is because I don't know if you've noticed, Brett, uh, but Jacob Markstrom has been struggling bad. And the defense as a whole, the team defense, the defense itself has been struggling bad to the point where Calgary goes into Columbus, starts Jacob Markstrom and lose three to one. And the night after they're in Toronto to face the Leafs and they start Dan Bladar over Markstrom. Wow. Like, you save Markstrom for the best teams, Edmonton, Toronto, whatever you got, bring him on. Jacob Markstrom is going to stop the puck. And this guy was a Vezina Trophy candidate last year. Right, right. And he's getting started in Columbus as opposed to in Toronto in a back-to-back situation. That, that, that to me, is stunning. And earlier in this season, uh, maybe it was it because it was the fact that the Oilers were in his head so much, um, but Dan Vladar started against Edmonton uh, early into the season um, over Jacob Markstrom in, in Edmonton. And again, maybe it's because the Oilers had his number and they wanted to give him a different look with Vladar. But the fact that you're in, deep into the season and Jacob Markstrom is struggling and you trust Vladar against the Red Hot Maple Leafs who have a 14-game point streak going are one of the hottest teams in the league. They're third in the entire NHL right now. And you're not starting Jacob Markstrom. To me, that's pretty telling. So January 18th, I'm interested to see what kind of Calgary team you get. You also have the Anaheim Ducks on the 26th. Uh, You have the Senators on uh, January 14th as well. That's a home game. There are a lot of teams on on that January schedule with porous defenses that I think Colorado, regardless of their injuries, can easily exploit. And if they don't get the majority of the points during those slate of games, then I'm a bit concerned because you're nearing the trade deadline. You're a handful of weeks away from that. Time is ticking to get ahead of the opponents. And the Central Division is, by all accounts, up for grabs. And you don't know where Winnipeg and Dallas are. If they keep on winning, you're further out of uh, the picture in terms of catching them. Yeah, that's a good point. Um, it's interesting, like, to that point, like, my uh, my dad, who's a casual hockey fan, uh, yeah. he um, he's, like, I mean, he's a casual hockey fan to the point where, like, he, I mean, he's a, like, he, he follows it just because, like, I'm, <laughs> like, I'm, I'm his son, but uh, he's not necessarily, like, watching every game or whatever, but... Uh, like and he knows like he lives in Boston. The Bruins are a hot topic on the radio nowadays. So, um, so he knows like the of the Bruins schedule. So when he heard that the Bruins were playing the Avalanche, he uh, he thought this was like a big game, and it is a big game, obviously. But um, but then like you know then he was saying like how it's like oh it's the hottest team in the league and it's like a Stanley Cup contender. Um, and like he had assumed that like the Avalanche were the third best team or the second best team in the league, and um, and I I had to say like well actually they're like the sixth best team and that was before I looked because I I knew that they weren't necessarily at the top like but I wasn't sure myself, um, and then um, oh yeah so uh so but then when i started to look actually at the at the standings i realized that uh 
that the Avalanche were going um, to be like they were somewhere in like the 11th spot or something like that. Um, and I didn't realize that. But all this to say is from what you were just talking about with the Aval, um, with the um, like just that that uh, like brief week of games where they're going to be playing some teams that they should be able to beat. Like every team is going to be playing their best because they're the, the, the avalanche won the Stanley cup last year. It's like their targets on their back. You're like, it doesn't matter how your, what your record is. Um, if you're the best team in the league, like the Bruins are, or you're the worst team in the league, like the ducks are. So, um, so I, I think there is some element of that. Uh, but to answer this own question, I guess, um, so you just have to like add that. I, I think that is fair if like they, they they continue to struggle after those games that they should be able to beat even without McKinnon and Landeskog, uh, then yeah, it's time to get worried. Um, I would say though that I think like if they win, like if they start to lose like, yeah, obviously, if they continue to lose, they're going to they're going to start like maybe like in February or something. But I don't know. I feel like there is that element of like like if they are if they're a wild card team, they're going to be the most dangerous team in the league. It's like we oh, know yeah. we know what this team is like when they're officially healthy. So especially like if they can get like a healthy Landeskog back. And a healthy McKinnon back. I know McKinnon's out a month, but who knows how his recovery time is. But um, but yeah, once like once the Avalanche make the playoffs, they're they're golden. Um, and you know, I, I I don't think like I think like Dallas, who's in the division lead right now, they don't want to play Colorado in the first round. Um, so it's I I would imagine that there'll be some some element of like once they're they're just make the playoffs they don't need to win the division they don't even need to make the top three of the central uh but and they they could just do it and like that's kind of what the tampa bay lightning have done for the last three years pretty much um so so yeah i i think um I, I don't think I'm, like, worried about them. But, yeah, I, I think I agree with you that if they start to lose in that stretch of games where they're playing bad teams, then, yes, I think it's time to worry about it. Um, and then in terms of, like, what moves they can make, um, I think it's, like, a lot of it is, is like, how, um, how healthy McKinnon and Evan Rodriguez are uh, because... Evan Rodriguez was supposed to be like that replacement for Nazem Kadri and um, and McKinnon is McKinnon, of course. But like, if they're like, you know, even if Newhook is good, they have Miko Rantanen as the first line center. That's that yeah. you know, like he's not a center. I mean, he he, yeah, he had a. It's hard to say this when he did have a hat trick just now, but like you have to do better than that. So, um, so I imagine there'll be, there'll come a time when McKin like when they like, let's say McKinnon or Evan Rodriguez are out for even longer than a month. Um, then I think that's when they start to look at like, okay, what centers can we get, um, on the cheap, um, and do that. 
Um, and then if it, like things get really, really bad, like McKinnon's out for the whole season, let's say, um, which yeah, I don't think is, or like, or like Kale McCarr gets injured somehow, or Rantanen gets injured as well, um, then they might actually start to like be prepared for like, just call this a lost season and prepare for next year. And then they could trade guys who are one year rentals. And then they could trade like Comfer and Rodriguez. Um, maybe, um, maybe they trade new hook. Um, but I, I don't think they do that. Um, even still. Um, but, uh, but yeah, maybe they start to become sellers, which, uh, I feel like a lot, like it would have to get even worse, uh, from right now. Um, and right now it's just like, okay, the two of their core guys are out. Uh, but like if, if Makar is out for long-term and if, uh, Ranton is out long-term, then it's time to be like, okay, I think, I think the avalanche might be done for the season. Um, but, but that's, that's just like a giant if, of course, because, you know, you can't predict injuries. And, you know, and the fact that Colorado has so many guys on expiring contracts and those guys being also have Eric Johnson and his $6 million cap at coming off the books after this year as well. Um, it's, it's not like Colorado is in this situation where like they have bad contracts where if, if things go south, they have to trade away. Like there are some affordable contracts that they can part with, uh, in, in that grand scheme of things. Um, and, and you also, <laughs> uh, even if they don't make the playoffs this year, there's always that slim chance where they just oh. luck themselves in the first overall, Damn. <laughs> which, uh, I mean, I love Colorado. They don't need another first overall pick or a second overall pick, to be fair. You're right. Um, <laughs> they're totally getting Connor Bedard. I think you're right. Damn no, it. they're getting out of Fantilli, which yeah. is just as good. Yeah, yeah. Well, either but, one, yeah. yeah. Either one would do wonders, but that neither here nor there. Uh, but I'm also interested to see how the rookies like Ben Myers are, are going to do yeah. because uh, this is a guy that's uh, that had some uh, college hype to him. He's yeah. uh, he's has experience at left wing. He also has experience at down the middle at center. Uh, five points in ten games with the Colorado Eagles, and uh, he has his first NHL goal already in his uh, f- first five games of the year. Well, actually, he got one last year, but. Uh, Either way, two goals in his his first 10 games. That's still pretty decent. And, um, you know, as those guys get more reps, um, all of a sudden you're looking at uh, a young and very exciting Colorado team that's only going to get better because, again, like you said, you have those contracts expiring. But this could be good, again, a good test uh, similar to uh, other injury examples that we've seen in previous years, like Tampa Bay and Vegas, where you start to see what the ceiling is for most of these guys moving forward. What what could uh, this guy turn out to be? Is he a top nine forward? Is he a top six fringe player with upside? Is he a future first line center? Um, again, just throwing out uh, scenarios that. Um, some teams uh, might be faced with and and Colorado I think at as you're getting through the stages and you're trying to fill out the rest of your roster and pay your big name players like they've done and that they'll continue to do um because you also bone Byram uh with only so much time on that entry level too you're gonna have to pay him at some point um 
it, it's important to know what you have in in your roster system uh, in the minor leagues, and the best way to find that out is to actually get them into some NHL games. And while with all these injuries, uh, you get a good taste of uh, what you got down the pipeline. So I yeah. guess in a sense that's good too. Um, but I guess it's 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 just a bit disappointing if you're a Colorado fan just because of the fact that you know you're coming off such a high and you're thinking okay well it should be easy to contend and then oh all these injuries and oh where are we in the standings again right uh the the one saving grace that i will say for the colorado avalanche at the moment is that they are third in the central division and they are seven points back of the jets and the stars minnesota also has 30 points but if you take a look at the entire nhl picture and i'm including eastern conference teams here uh, heading into today's action, Colorado was 20th. So this doesn't include their latest win in overtime against the Blues. But they're 14, 10, and 2 now. At, the, at uh, the stats that I'm looking at, they are 13, 10, and 2 with 28 points. So at the time of this uh, database, oh, they just updated it. Yay. So I don't have to give you the data version. Uh, but they're currently 17th. So they went from 20th to 17th in this latest batch of standings right now. Minnesota is 16th, as I mentioned, with 30 points. Then you have Detroit with 32 at 15. Same with Edmonton, who are 14. Rangers and Kraken both have 33 points. Kings and Islanders both have uh, 34 points. And the Tampa Bay Lightning, who Colorado went up against, they have 35 points. So the New York Islanders, who are four points ahead of the Colorado Avalanche, are just barely a top 10 team in the league. Yeah. So they're well within striking distance at this stage of the season, and there's very little give and take. So every game matters. But if you get hot, you can make up a lot of ground in a couple of weeks. Like just a couple of weeks ago, we were talking about the Pittsburgh Penguins and, um, you know, the, the health situation that Chris Letang had. And, and now he's fortunately back in the lineup far sooner than people expected. But back then, the Penguins were struggling a couple of weeks ago, and we're just thinking, is this the year where they fall off? Is age finally going to catch up with them? And then uh, they're now, let's see, seventh in the NHL with a 16-8-4 record. So a lot can change in a couple of weeks, as we've said many times. Yeah, yeah. Um, yeah, uh, by the way, Ben Myers, he went to Minnesota. I, um, I said Minnesota State, but uh, yeah, it's Minnesota. Yeah. Um, yeah, I, I think I agree with you. I, I, I'm not like worried about the avalanche particularly because they're going to get McKinnon back in three weeks. Um, mm -hmm. so it's like, you know, you have that and he was like playing at a superstar elite level. Um, so like, you know, maybe they shouldn't be worried, but like, yeah, maybe it's time to be concerned if McKinnon does end up not being a hundred percent, uh, once he's back. So um, so that that is also something to consider as well. Um, they also, it should be noted, they don't have any back-to-back -back games until January 20th and 21st. Oh, wow. So the most that they would play is like once every second night. But you look at, again, teams like Ottawa, I think I mentioned last week. Ottawa is playing three back-to-backs between now and New Year's Day. And they'll have like, I don't know, 10 or 11 more uh, from now until the end of the season. Uh, so the fact that Colorado is going through the better part of the next month without a single back-to-back -back is 
is huge because you're at least managing, um, you know, how how hard you can push guys in practice and whether or not you need an off day because it's a back-to-back and, and no practice the, the day before the second half. Uh, and there are even, there are even times, uh, for example, uh, in like uh, obviously it's Christmas, but uh, 24th, 25th, 26th, the Avs don't play and they're in Arizona on the 27th. Um, so they, they, they do have, uh, some breaks in the schedule here, like I said, uh, in January, but they also have Philly, as I mentioned, they have Buffalo, uh, then they have Montreal as well. All of those are home games. Uh, and then they have Arizona coming out of the Christmas break and the Kings again, teams that are known to give up a ton of goals against, uh, and the Flyers have continued to kind of fall down the standings after their hot start. So again, another opportunity for the abs to get hot there. Yeah, yeah, no, that's a good point. Um, okay, uh, yeah, I think that um, about does it for us here at Lace Them Up. It's kind of a shorter episode, but that's totally okay. Um, the uh, You can uh, follow us on Lace Them Up at, on Twitter at Lace Up Podcast. Our Facebook is Lace Them Up. Uh, you can also subscribe to us on SoundClouds, iTunes, Spotify, wherever else you get your podcast. That's about it. I'm Brett Duboff. I'm Steve Ellsworth. We will talk again in episode 347 of the Lace Em Up podcast.